Good morning, everyone. Maybe a few more people are going to be checking in. Wait, is it not? Oh, I have a little sensory thing, but it can wait until my Well, what do you want to do? Want to do it now? Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Did everybody do it? Anybody try to do Nitilat Yadayim or say that prayer before they did some work this week? I thought about it. How'd it feel? It's very refreshing, very, you know, you felt like you felt prepared to work. Good, good. It wasn't a homework assignment. It was just thought. You just brought something. So I, I'm trying, because we are uh, delving into landscape, I'm trying to bring some, a sensory experience each week. So we'll see how, how many weeks I can keep up with it. And today we're going to talk about cultivated fields and wells. So I brought something uh, for sniffing. Um, this is a bundle of sage. And um, my parents spend the winters in Arizona and Tucson, so I go out there and I always go to the, um, there's a, a mission and a church and a reservation where I buy the sage. And I like to light it and actually, uh, what's the word, smudge my studio before I work. But I didn't think it would be a good idea to light something here and I didn't know how you felt about you don't smoke. Want the, yeah. yeah. So, but um, it's, the smell is really pungent if you just kind of put your face up to the bag. And the interesting thing is sage turns out to have antibiotic or antibacterial properties for real. So it actually does purify the air. So just go. Okay. Okay. If you, if you want to smell, or if you can. I lost it in the dark room looking for 50 Oh, for real? Well, if anything could bring it back, it might be the sage. So Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Sharon, I'm going to give you your olfactory. Yeah. Good. So just enjoy that. Just the smell of the Good morning. If you take a look at your roadmap, what I will always do every week is put on what I call a learning journal. So if you're not here for some reason, if you've listened to the recording, if you've not listened to the recording, I always want to just put in a couple of the key ideas or things that just want to. And I want to keep in the conversation, so kind of looking back, like here's the key points that we talked about, and also if at the end of the class you want to go like, well, what were some of the key ideas in addition to your own, Marla's got a, a, a sketch pad and your own sketches and ideas and things, um, it'll be in that learning journal. So there were a couple really critical, good morning, hi, that's a, okay, to. Um, nice to see you. Um, um, there were a couple really big philosophical ideas that we're starting to want to play around with in this class that we'll keep coming back to. First was that idea of the creation of art. I call it a theological event, if you remember talking about it as godly, sacred, holy, that the creation of art is this event that happens. And we read a few quotes between a person's vision, creation happens, artistic happens, artistic things happen that the theological, holy, uh, artistic between a vision and something that you see, that's what the person brings to it and, and um, what they do, and it creates a space in between. Sage. But also to the extent that all art is about comparing, contrasting, looking at shapes, one word against another, one sound against another, that's harmony, yeah. that all those things, that any time you position one thing against another or look at something a different way and create that moment for, for a person who's listening or watching what you do is where they can see how that you've 
put things together or move things or saw something that wasn't there before, put them in relationship to something else. And I'm going to say that again. When you do art, you put things, images, colors, materials in relationship to something else. That in that side of that, in that moment, that's what Professor Fishbane says is one of the ways in our embodied, actual, experienced world that we feel the sacred. I want to come back to that word relationship. So it's not like like you can look at the relationships between how he put things here, right? You look between one thing and another. We're not going to be talking about Thomas Hart Benton right now, but we both do. Then I really love this picture, but. A Jewish way of thinking about the sacred is what we do is in relationship. So again, artists are doing things that are profoundly significant from a Jewish perspective as Jewish artists. We do things in relationship as Jews, in relationship with God, if you will, in relationship with the land. We're going to talk about that in a second. And for sure, everything in Judaism that is in relationship has to turn to relationships with others. All right? every, every, there is not a Jewish ritual Anything to do that seems the most far-flung of all, okay? Sitting in a sukkah has to do with relationships with others. Pretty much you can connect the dots back. And that's why I just want to keep putting how front and center how I think how essential it is that art be considered really holy and important work. And for all of you as Jewish artists to be able to sort of sit in that idea a little bit. About what am I doing in terms of comparing, contrasting relationships? So you're all doing, from my perspective, really holy work. So... It's not just something that we do. Second, I want to come back to the idea of what landscape is. And we started to talk about, Philip said, inner landscape. It's not just what I see, but we also use the word that landscapes are constructed. We bring who we are, we bring our culture to a view of landscape. And this is a really good example, by the way. This is a very political painting, even though you know, we're just, you know, this is a very political painting, to the particular culture that we come from has something to do with landscape, all right? But it's also, the third thing I want to say is particular landscapes are rooted in particular places. And that last theme, we looked at the text from Abraham, Lech Lecha, El Ha'aretz Asher Areka. Lech Lecha Me'artzecha Mimoladetecha Me'bet Avicha. El Ha'aretz Asher Areka. Go forth from your, where you were rooted, your home landscape, and create a new landscape. That the move to Israel is a specific <coughs> move that Abraham was told with God because of the relationship between God and Israel, that a particular landscape is going to be tied up to the, in that relationship. So Jewish art, and from the perspective of the Torah, when we're looking at landscapes, there's purpose to them. There's purpose, and we're going to see it today when we look at fields and wells. All right? It's not just a random, beautiful landscape from the perspective of the Torah or from Jewish, all Jewish texts and history. It's that the landscape of the land of Israel, even if we're not living in the land of Israel, and even if the particular art piece is not about the land of Israel at all, will reflect this notion of create a landscape, a fashion. We we, I, I had a word for it, that kind of um, articulated, kind of specific landscape that is created. Now, one of the things that happens to me when I'm teaching a class is that I'll start seeing things all over the place, in the news, on the radio, NPR, that has something to do with what we're talking about in class, even though it has nothing to do with what we talked about. So this week, I was reading the art, the, uh, art section in the middle of the week on Tuesday in the New York Times, and there was a review of four different jazz groups that were playing in New York, and how the uh, jazz critic was going like, these are all Chicago jazz musicians. And he talked about, so I was thinking about... Um, 
particular places, certain landscapes are identified with specific places. If you remember, we looked at the thing from, um, was talking about the rivers, and we talked about the river, of, of, the, the water in the land of Israel that comes down, do you remember we did this, right? What's the water of the land of Israel? What does it teach? Some of you have this as your takeaway at the end of the day. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving, that the water that flows from the Sea of Galilee goes to the Jordan River, which mm -hmm. receives but does not give. You know, you'll like this concept. That constitutes, hi Trudy, hi. Um, um, all these things that constitute, that, that life and death is about giving and receiving, that's the specific water of the Jordan and the land of Israel, okay? And we contrasted that between <clears throat> that and the Mississippi, that's a different river, <clears throat> or the Colorado River, that specific landscapes are also specific to a particular culture and time too, separate and apart from this biblical idea of El Ha'aretz Asher Areka. So when I saw this, I thought, okay, somebody else is talking about art that is located in a landscape. So this is about jazz in Chicago. By the way, this exhibition of musicians, photographs taken of musicians in Maxwell Street, which is on at the moment. Sure. Uh, wonderful photographer, somebody you didn't know. Wow. Uh, he took the pictures when he was 15 years old, he's now 60. Where is it being oh, exhibited? Where is the exhibit? I can't remember the address, but I will find in it. Chicago. I would love to know. It's, you know, it's uh, in Michigan Avenue somewhere. Yeah, be cool. So he, write, so he writes so about, I thought it. It's some small gallery, I'm not sure what it is. This is so this so this is what he said about Chicago jazz. And those of you who know some music, you know New Orleans jazz and St. Louis jazz and Chicago are all considered slightly different versions. So it's a landscape and a culture. Art art I thought of the community and when hearing these records with a city and its musicians' daily working lives as the link. There are some categorical differences among them. You can try so he just he just says that there's such a thing as Chicago jazz and even in New York you can hear it. So awesome. But All right, Chicago hot dogs. for sure. <laughs> for sure. That's that's also too. Now, briefly, three things about water. We said I really want to scoop everybody up because people who who weren't here just bring everybody into the flow. <laughs> okay. First, I have the one from last week. We'll get we'll get you a copy. First, water is mythological. If you remember, we looked at the beginning of Bright Sheet, that there's a mythological component to water as it's created. Okay. Um, then we talked about. The Hebrews are the people who cross over. Ivrim are people who cross over a body of water. That's also who we are. That's part of the Abraham experience. It's a crossing over bodies of water are significant. <clears throat> Song of the Sea crossing through water on the way back forms us as a people. So we have a lot of movement in the Torah as moving through water. Abraham goes. <clears throat> Jacob wrestles with the angel on the other side of the river all night long as he comes back into the land. So in the book of Joshua, all of the people cross into the, as if after they've been wandering for 40 years, they cross into, from the Jordan into the, into the land. So <coughs> the word Ivri, the Hebrew word Ivrit, Hebrew, we are Ivrim, means people who are crossing over. And that crossing over isn't traversing through a desert. The word crossing over really means crossing over a body of water, specifically a river. Mm. So that's a big piece. All right. And finally, the one thing that we didn't say about water, that we didn't say, but you'll find all over the Psalms, the prophetic works, it's in the sea door if you just start looking for it, is the use of water as a metaphor for the miraculous. I'm like, oh my God, what, see that you're fleeing Jordan, that you're skipping 
all right? That kind of poetic hyperbole and that kind of use of language with water, we didn't hone in on it because I don't think it's really specific to, I mean, most cultures use water in this metaphoric way, but I wanted to make sure that we, we talked about it. You'll see lots of use of water, water flowing from Jerusalem, like Torah and wisdom from God out into the world, or the natural order of water turning and stuff. Phyllis, I see the yeah, hand water up. Water also is for, it stands for rebirth. Correct. And <coughs> Rebirth. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about Mayim Chayim. The word mikvah is called Mayim Chayim, living water. Okay. And a lot of those kind of metaphoric use of water, which we're, we didn't talk about last week, and now I want to move on to fields and wells. We're talking about different kind of water, a contained water. All right. But that water also, it's a powerful metaphor for all kinds of things in the Torah. So I don't want anyone to think that we did the encyclopedic cover last week and everything having to do with water in class. Once you start noticing water, it's all over the Torah. So, because it's a desert culture. It's a desert environment. They have to worry about water. All right? And the last thing we said is that unlike the Nile, which is another important river, how do we have, it, it, for, for the Hebrews to get water, you've got to look to the sky. Okay, look to the sky. Deuteronomy says you don't just kick the river and it gives you water. You've got to, it depends on God. Water is a sign. Water and rain are a sign that the relationship between God and Israel is working well. If you look at the middle paragraph of the Via Hafta prayer from the synagogue. Right? And if you don't follow what I do, I'm going to stop the water. Okay, so water has a transactional quality. But that's true for many people who live in desert climates. So. We take water for granted. It comes and goes all, all, all the time, but sometimes too much. So, Okay. Fields and wells. I want to dig right into some Bereshit texts about water because um, our ancestors, because they lived in a place where they didn't have water, our ancestors had to concern themselves with finding water. <clears throat> okay, so that's different than just saying water flows. It's a metaphor. Wells are a relationship between human beings and water, because it has to be collected. You've got to find it. You've got to, how do, how, how do people find wells? What do they have to do? Got to dig, all right? So there's a lot of effort involved. So one of the things I want everyone to start to hear today is wells and fields are very much a metaphor for what artists do. Okay, so you might want to just like think about that. What you do, and if you put yourself as an artist, in place of the particular character, one after another that we're reading, okay? <coughs> They're like, yeah, that is what I do as an artist. That's not what I do as an artist. So, all right, let's start with Genesis chapter 24. Somebody wants to. I'll share. Yeah. I think this is the most wonderful story about a well. So great. In chapter 24, I think it's on page like, 43. Normally I won't call the pages, but you know. Okay, 43. So the same this, our same ancestor Abraham had a problem that every Jewish father at moving forward is worried about is who is his daughter, son going to marry? That's become a Jewish forever and ever. Amen should, to that. Right? What? <laughs> amen to and, that. Amen to that. So who is, your, who is his child going to marry? in order to continue the relationship and continue the covenant, okay? And so he sends Eliezer, his servant, his aide-de-camp, his butler. It's kind of like Jeeves. Jeeves, um, yeah. hi. Oh, Lois came by bike. Hey there. <laughs> Lois, welcome. I'm sorry. I'm that's so okay. sorry. That's okay. Welcome back. 
So, so Abraham sends Eliezer, he said, you've got to find a girl from my home clan and family and not a girl, a local girl. You've got to go find the right person. So he sends Eliezer out to find a wife for Isaac. Does not tell him how to do it. So look, when we get here, when I, what does Isaac decide to do? Uh, uh, Eliezer decide to do, around 20, um, 24, go, go, go. He sends his servant. Actually, line, it's line 10 I want to look at. Not, I'm sorry. Pardon? Not to take a wife from the local Don't city. take a local wife. Okay, so look at line 10. So he takes, a, he takes camels, he picks up some sort of a dowry, and he takes a caravan with him, and he goes, and he sets out taking all his bounty. He makes Aram Naharayan, the city of Nahor, far, he has to cross over rivers, makes the camels kneel down, Okay, now it's very interesting. Yeah. What about that word? Yeah, the bracha became from that because when you pay, I right. mean, to fold the legs. Right. Like a, yeah. To kneel. To kneel. When, when we say a bracha, when we say, you know, you make a hamotzi as a bracha, it comes from this word right here. Vayavrech, to, to kneel, to bend the knee. To bend the knee. So he kneels down the camels. Okay, so just, just that's as an aside. Every time we make a bracha, we're doing something that at its base has something to do with a kneeling activity. Here, camels. Okay, um, that's a different class. He makes the camels kneel down outside of the city. So here's the setting. The well outside of the city, in evening time. It's a beautiful setting. You can just sort of imagine the light, the sun. Outside of the city, you can smell the camels. You can hear the little bleep, 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 bleep of the bells. The wind is blowing. You could set this scene as a movie, right? Say Tashoa vote. Say Tashoa. The Hebrew is beautiful. Say Tashoa vote. Say the going out of the the, the girl water drawers. Show a vote. You know the song Shavtamayim v'sasot. Shavtamayim. Show a vote. It's the same Hebrew word. Okay. The girls who are the water gatherers, right? Yomar, okay, and it's it's lovely that the note there. Just if you take a look, did everybody see that like long squiggle? We're not. This isn't a Torah reading class, but if you see that long squiggle up above there, take a look. Everybody just take a teeny weeny above that in the middle of the Hebrew word. You do not need to he be Hebrew fluent or no Hebrew at all to notice that kind of funny squiggle, and the first word in verse twelve. Does everybody see it? Are you talking about in the word Vayomer? The, yes, Vayomar, yeah. Vayomar. Vayomar, right above the mem? Right, right above the mem. Okay. Let everybody see it, right? I've tried focals and I can't see it. It's teeny. It's Hebrew texts are t will tell you when you need to see your eye doctor, by the way. When you're going like this, time to go. Okay? Does everybody see it? It's teeny, but I want everyone to see it. Okay? Right? It kind of looks like this. All right? So how do you, how the do you Hebrew know? word for this, I was not planning to teach this, but it's a good aside. It's called the shalshelet. Oh, wow. That's how it sounds. Shalshelet. It only, this particular note only appears, there are musicians here, it only appears four or five times in the entire Torah. Wow. And it appears every single, the next the other place it, it is, is when Joseph's being seduced by Potiphar's wife. 
he re he re rejects her. Okay. <laughs> and another is Moses. The last time until his brother Aaron is inducted to become the Kohen, Moses is the one offering the sacrifices for the people. And the last time he does it is, and so people often say that this is a shell shell indicates hesitation. It sounds like it. Yeah, it sure Wavering. does. Wavering. It's yeah. up. We, what do we call that? Opera. When the word and the music come together, okay? Why is Eliezer hesitating? Because if there is no child to Isaac, an heir, Eliezer inherits Abraham's property. He, become, he's in his, he inherits, okay? So that's one of the pieces about him. But he, you also could. he has a daughter that he wants Isaac to marry. He, he wants to marry Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this, so this notice. But so that. Yeah. Midrash. Yeah, it's, this is Midrash, but this is beautiful because, uh, I mean, uh, the reading of the Torah as a text is operatic, and we often, we're sitting, we're sitting, sitting, and don't realize that. So sometimes if you look at the notes, heightened emotion, making space, making space between what the text says and the emotion or the commentaries behind it, like the story, like Eliezer's daughter doesn't appear right. in the Torah, but we know that in the tradition. So those are artistic art forms that are creating space of meaning through the music. Okay, so that's the shell shell. So we just happen to come. So he hesitates. Okay, to, okay. I really want it. I want him to be my machatanister. I want. Okay, I. am not sure I want to do this. But he comes up with this prayer, and he says, "Oh Lord, Elohei Adoni Avraham, please grant me good fortune this day and deal graciously with me." Okay, here I stand by the spring. Okay, here he says, Hine anochi nitzav el ein hamayim. Ein hamayim means the eye of the water. Source. The source of the water. Ein is a really interesting word. Nessie is right. I'm always, when Nessie is here, like she's always like my Hebrew class. Ein is the source, the essential point from which it comes. But it has the word ayin in it too, doesn't it? All right. Ayin, okay. The essential point of the water. And the daughters, who are the children of the, of the city, go out to, to draw the water. I just want to get that. They go out. They stand. As, as they come out, let the maiden to whom I say, please lower your jar that I may drink, who, sa who will say to me, You drink, and I'll also give water to your camels. That's the one. Proof. This is how you make a shidduch. It used to be easier, I guess. Okay. This is the one for whom you have decreed your servant Isaac. Thereby, uva eda, and then I shall know, ki asita chesed imadoni, that you've done chesed for me. You've dealt graciously for me. Now, you want to oh, see, you want to write down the word chesed in this context, too, because we're going to see it in, a, in another minute. Chesed, as this kind of loving kindness, that you're doing something for me for no reason, just because... We call it deeds of loving kindness. That doesn't quite get the, the flavor of without expectation of compensation in any way. Okay, so you've done chesed with me. All right, so sure enough, here comes this girl. He had buried. I love the Torah. Scarcely had he finished speaking when? No sooner was it said than done. Right, okay, <laughs> so you should feel like the hand of God. No sooner was it said. When Rebekah, who was born to Betuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, Mishpacha, came out with a jar on her shoulder. 
The maiden was beautiful, a virgin whom no man had known. She went down to the spring. Vatered <clears throat> ha'aina. She went down to the source of the spring. Vatimale chada vata'al. She put it. She went down and she filled her pitcher and raised it up. Okay. The servant ran towards her and said, "Please let me sip a little water from your jar." Stay, Adoni. She says, drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and let him drink. Now, has anybody picked up a big bucket of water? It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> just remember, so everyone should, like, just sort of the physical sensation of a big thing of water is not lightness. It's heaviness, okay? But the text is kind of moves us through as if she's doing this in a very light, strong way. When she let him drink his fill, she said, I'll also draw water for your camels until they finish mm -hmm. drinking. Camels do not just have a little sip. Okay, so the amount of effort and hard work that she's doing, the amount of schlepping and heavy water, she's going down and picking up, she's going down and picking up, is really quite intense. Quickly emptying her jar into the trough, vatimaher, the word vatimaher, is she quickly, 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 she's sort of, you see this, um, what, what kind of person, what do we have, we learned about Rebecca already? She's not lazy. She's not lazy. And she's too strong. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's she wants to please. She, she wants kind. to please. Charge. Yeah. Yeah. Zariza. Zariza. Ah, she's Zariza. She's, she's um, she energetic. Yeah. 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 Energetic. Yeah. That's what I thought you said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and she hurried. Okay. And then she went back. And then she drew for all the water. All right. And it's at this moment he says, "Who are you?" He's got the nose rings and everything. He says, "Who are you?" And then identifies who she is. And then. Um, and look down at line 27. <coughs> Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not withheld lo azav chasdo v'amito me'im Hashem. Anuchi baderech nachani Hashem beit achei Adonai. I've been guided on this errand by the Lord to the house of my master and kinsman. So, so this is one of the first wells that we meet up with. Okay. So what happened here at this well, at this ayin? We meet this personality of Rebecca who's going to become the second matriarch after Sarah. Okay. We learn about this dynamic energy she has, her husband, her kindness. While Eliezer keeps playing like, God, you've shown me chesed. Who's the one who's doing chesed, loving, an act of loving kindness for him? He's in the middle of the desert, needs the water. She is. Okay. So this well is a focal point of... Um, and you give some, and Gamma Camp, you know, she brings, after he's been wandering for a long time. Um, the well is a focal point for um, chesed kindness that's both at the human level and at, at the divine level. That something's happening. No sooner than it was then, you can feel the coincidences of the story being, the covenant is being moved along. This is, this is the woman who's going to be the next matriarch, and it gives us a sense of her qualities, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Her personality. That she is the niece of Abraham? Yeah. It's not a problem in the Torah. <laughs> I'm just thinking genetics here. Right, 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 right. In the Torah, it's not a problem. There are a lot of relationships in the Torah where people are being married, and you're going to go like, I think maybe only in Indiana do they permit that. <laughs> Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. Okay, good. <laughs> good. good. What's the issue? Marrying your cousin. Yeah. Cousin? Oh. Yeah. And the Judaism, it's yeah, um, my I have an aunt and uncle who were second cousins, and they thought my mother was going to marry my uncle's brother. And I have a lot. How many of you in your family have, at the grandparent level, a great grandparent, have people who are 
First cousins, my grandparents. Right, right. It was much more common in previous generations. It wasn't allowed for a long time, and then somebody in British royalty married his first cousin, so they changed the rules. <laughs> now they have a genetic issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. All right. So now, um, with a head now to the end of the chapter. Well, sure. Really, what you're saying is that the well becomes the medium in which that you can meet another and express your Judaism or the divine, or so it could be that the well, you know, if you're um, associating that with artists, could be the paint, the uh, I don't know. It could be means, okay, so like we talked about the pigments of the ground that are turned into <coughs> landscape last week. Okay, Brenda, what you say? Yeah. I just, um, I think of it as a source too. You know, she knows, she goes back to, you know, and they say, um, you know, quickly, and I, I picture. You know, if I was going back and forth to that well, I picture myself like sweating and right, hauling right. it and I would be. and grumbling and getting right, and right. coming back. And in this, they make it like she's just like this graceful thing. And there's something about this source that she just like almost floats to it and is able to uh -huh. get it. And it, it's and, and as an artist too, like when we're in that zone or whatever, like you Beautiful. go to that same source. A psychologist call. Guess what? Well. Psychologists call that flow. Do you all know that expression? Optimal experience. It's, there's a psychologist at Harvard. He has this great name, um, Chicksent Mahaley. He has a Hungarian name. Chicksent Mahaley. Yeah, he does this whole thing. It's beautiful. And um, he will talk about Michael Jordan throwing the basketball. And artists, he talks a lot about artists, that when you're in this moment, you're right, something that might be burdensome, your inspiration, your creativity, what you're creating, what starts to happen. And the word they use is this flow, oh. like water. Mm. So that, that the... Um, <clears throat> cognitive, creativity, imagination starts to happen, that it is that kind of experience. For how many of you, when you kind of really, I don't make art, so I don't know what that's like, just, or, but, but I, you but do I'm a, you're doing your Oh, no, no, I, no, I, no, I know that I do it, but not, I, but I, you know, in terms of like, I don't paint, I don't, do, at that moment, or, in a, but anytime you're doing Same something creative. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Time goes away. Yeah, time exactly. goes away, and time goes away. Also, that's the supernatural part of it. You don't know why it's happening, but when it happens, you just go with right, it. So right, right. So that's the supernatural right. part of it. And, and it just sort of flows out of you. <laughs> that's right. No pun intended. No, no, no. I had that experience of writing um, something for my husband's funeral, and I don't know where it came from. I just sat down that's quietly, right. and yeah. it just sort yeah. of... Yeah. But, but Rebecca an organization, intellectual right. and it was organized. I mean it wasn't just that's great. That's great. It but comes in one piece sometimes. The whole thing. Creative juices is good too. Juices. But juices are also like water. Yeah. Right? right. I mean but, they're liquid. But Rebecca is an interesting because it's it's happening to her. With great effort. At the same time that that, this, that this oh, something's happening, and the other thing right. is, Eliezer is witnessing this. He's noticed this. Like, like, there's an art form. What he's basically saying is, God, let me recognize the art form of the choosing of this, of the the choosing of the next matriarch for this family. Okay, he is. He witnesses it. He participates in her artistry. All right, but it's coming to her with 
what seems graceless and effortless, but she's working hard. Right. And it's all happening at that time. So she, it's actually a really beautiful model of how things come together um, with some kind of flow. Right. But a lot of work goes into being able to do things effortlessly. Correct. To do what? To do, to do things effortlessly. She can't carry that water without having carried a lot of water for right. a very right. long time. Right. Yes. You yeah. can't do it. Yes. Um, uh, Yitzhak um, Perlman doesn't sit down and just play the violin for the first time from nothing. Right? And the smile he gets on his face before he starts to play is like, like my legs don't work, but look what I can do with my hands. And the smile is disarming because you realize how many hours he sat and worked his body, that kind of effort to do that. Um, but that applies, to any, that applies to anybody who's correct. trying to reach the high level. Right. How many thousands of photographs have you taken? I swimming trials for the Olympics. I can't like believe that. the amount of work that's gone in, sure. and they swim 100 meters, and it's all over. To make that teeny little touch, touch before. We well, said it last week: work and more work. Right. You know, that's well, you know, I, I'm not a great believer in this idea of the creative juices just flow from you. I think it's sitting there for well, with what I do for days, sometimes weeks, yeah. and messing around. For hours and hours yeah. every day, yeah. and then something looks right, and you say, "Oh well, that's what I was looking for." Right. And you start again, right. and you yeah. realize it wasn't what you were yeah. looking for. Yeah. Right. I think it's the energy that yeah. goes yeah. in. Yeah. We have to set the scene, set yeah. the stage, and I guess I would say it's the the interconnectedness of the inspiration and the effort. That there's a moment when something happens. That you know that there's something it, that the effort, the effort, effort. There must be something to go like. That's the one. That's the one. There's a, um, a film that was made with Itzhak Perlman doing Klezmer. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. And there is a moment there where he catches, he, where he catches the, the spirit uh -huh. of that music uh, with the other players. And you see it. Yeah. You see it happen. Yeah. He performed that concert like two summers ago with the with no, the no, cantor. No, this is longer ago. Uh, this was done in Europe, and he had never beautiful. played Beautiful. Uh, this is good. Well, he got into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That uh, was the moment that he got into it. So I want everyone to know why Yitzchak is the right. Uh, Rebecca is the right shidduch for Yitzchak. So flip ahead to the end of the chapter, chapter line twenty, uh, about uh, fifty-eight. <clears throat> I take her home and say, "Do you want to go with this man who you've never seen before, sight unseen, to marry some man you've never seen?" She says, yeah, I'll go. No problem. I'm going. She gets out of her house. <laughs> okay. Right. They call, will you go with this man? She says, I'll go. So they send off her sister, their sister Rebecca and her nurse, along with Abraham's servant and men. And they bless her and saying, By the way, this is what people will say at um, a bedeckin, if you ever go to a Jewish wedding, mm -hmm. at the... Okay, this is one of the traditional things to say as at the wedding um, to the bride. Then Rebecca and her maids arose, mounted the camels, followed the man, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. <clears throat> now, what's Isaac doing? Isaac had come back from the vicinity of Lasuach Bistei Lifnot Arev. So he's Lasuach. Lasuach means to walk around, but it also has the word Sicha, the word to talk. So our so in rabbinic tradition, what is Yitzchak doing? He's walking around and he creates the mincha service <laughs> because he's really praying. Masuach ba'eit arv in the afternoon. How do we? Know, what the rabbis say later is, how do we know that we're supposed to pray mincha? 
And they give the example of Yitzchak, who was praying late in the, in the upon evening time, in the late afternoon. He was walking, and he saw the camels approaching. Now, he's at Be'er L'chai Ro'i. Now, there's an interesting. Be'er, the well, to the God who sees me. Be'er L'chai Ro'i is the name of the place. Okay, which is also the well that where Hagar in previous time, Ishmael's and Hagar where she was when she was chased away from home. We're not going to read that right now because it's the Torah reading for Rosh Hashanah. Stay tuned, it's coming up in a couple months if you want to catch up all right, or get back to. All right. But he also seems to be wandering around a well, a well of the God who sees me. And it's at that moment he walks out, looks up, sees the camels approaching. It's romantic, so we have to read it. Raising her eyes, she saw Isaac. And she alights from the camel, and she says, Who's that man walking over there? She says, That's my master Isaac. So she takes off her, um, her scarf and covers herself. So she, and so that's, that's how we know that they're meant to be each, with each other. Because he's a well, he, he wanders around. He's doing what my colleague, mindful medita- walking meditation. He's walking around this well of, li- of a source, where, of, where God sees me, because he identifies as a place where God is. Be'er l'chai ro'i. Okay. The life that sees me, and then they, then they come together. So, so that's the first story. Um, now flip to 20. I want to look at chapter 26. Briefly. Um, actually, for time reasons. So one of the things that when um, skip ahead to line uh, line twelve, one of the things wells become really important because for all of the uh, the patriarchs, there's famine all the time. Abraham comes into the land and he has to leave again because there's famine. There's famine in Isaac's time. In Jacob's time, there's famine, and so that's when he sends the brothers down to Egypt and they find Joseph again. So there's this notion, this metaphor in the Torah also of the, in, when there's famine, there's nothing you need to find something that stirs people on to start migrating and moving. We know this today, mm-hmm. all right? Famine makes people leave their landscape and look for another one, all right? So one of the things that Isaac is identified with, okay, is um, he, he becomes very wealthy. He has a lot of flocks, all right? So in line 17 on page 50, Isaac departed and camped in the Wadi of Gerar where he settled, he dug wells which had been dug in the days of his father Avraham and which the Philistines had stopped up after Avraham's death. Alright. So I want you to notice this. He's in the business of digging wells which have been covered over. If you want to make trouble for somebody, you cut, you stop up their well so they can't get water and they might have to migrate and leave, particularly for shepherds. They can't stay anymore. Alright. So this is a very interesting line and just to think about metaphorically, if Isaac is an artist, what is he doing if he's digging up wells that have been covered over? He's going to get into a quarrel, but just so think about that for a second. When Isaac's servants digging in the wadi found a well of spring, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with his herdsmen, saying, that water's ours. They named that well Essek because they contended with him. Right? So he starts, they start arguing back and forth about who the wells belong to, and eventually he and this king make a, make a deal, they make a covenant, of peace and not to basically go to war over these wells. But in thinking about if Isaac is also a metaphor for an artist who uncovers wells that have been covered over. What do you think about that? 
what might be I don't know exactly, but it's an exploration and a discovery and a renewal. Uh, renewal, I guess, would be renewal to life. Okay. Revelation. Revelation. Okay. Looking for something. Okay. Okay. There's, there's something hidden underneath, and he's uncovering. I mean, he's I think touching it, bases with his past yeah. and doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about conservationists in Italy, the ones who like, you know, they like clean away, they mm -hmm. see what, what did Leonardo da Vinci really think this painting, it, with a, that's my first image that comes to mind is you see that painstaking work. Mm -hmm. That's artistry too, of mm -hmm. what are the pigments and stuff like that. Also, it's a way of um, a new appreciation. Sometimes you have the water, the water's there when it's taken away, then when you don't cover it again, you look at it in a totally different way. Ah, good, all right. Good. Yeah, and I think of it from a writer's perspective of maybe revisiting antiquated forms, like mm -hmm. now there's this new formalism in poetry, you know, where um, that had been out of vogue for a while, and now it's revisiting that. It's like, but we can kind of make it new based on the topic. So can you, th is there, can you think of a particular poet who's doing this or something? Um, Annie Finch, for sure. What kind of formal structures is she using? Yeah. So they are using, you know, sonnets, villanelles, mm. pantoums, but um, so on more contempt with more contemporary language and more contemporary themes. So you won't necessarily find like thou and and also there's doesn't an sound issue like John Donne. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's sort of a feminist discussion that goes around it too. That they're taking things that have been discarded as very patriarchal forms that didn't allow us Do you have some examples that you like you'd be willing to share? Because that'd be really cool to see. Um, I'll have to bring some in. I'm yeah, not that'd be awesome. Now. That'd be awesome. Right. So. so, and, you know, women reclaiming um, these forms. Yeah. And, and I just think, yeah. Yes, and I, I think there's really never anything new. You're always yeah. rediscovering. Right. You're yes. always going back right. to the old right. forms and trying right. to, right. you know, reinterpreting yeah. I, I want to say too, it's, sure. it's, this is so great because I have some images of an artist who her art form is um, reclamation of water, actually, <laughs> and then documenting it with photos. Right. So I think there's an element of stewardship of the earth, which is uh, now being recognized as an actual art form. Right. And um, we can't, I think as artists, um, we're, we're materialists in a way. We've got our hands in things. And there, there is a sense of connection with the physical earth and, and a regard and a respect for the environment that comes into play, especially in contemporary art. Mm -hmm. it's all, and that's, that brings a spiritual yeah. element, the yeah. idea that the environment um, has to be cherished and protected and that artists can call attention to that. That's a form of social justice that comes yeah. into the art. Yeah. Yeah. Think of Michelangelo and David where he said he, he didn't create um, David, he just... But say he, I, I'm just chipping away at this Carrera marble and he kind of shows up. <laughs> yeah, I think he... I, yeah, I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, that David didn't just show up inside that piece of marble. If you, if you look at this like the human being equal artist, whether it's you or anybody else, okay, in the world, and you consider us all vessels, then really it's all coming from above anyway and going out. Yep. yep. So he was simply a vessel to express, yeah. uh, bring to life David. Yeah. yeah. In Hebrew we call that a clay kodesh. Somebody a what? A clay kodesh. 
You'll see people who serve the Jewish community rabbis kind of say that they're just a vessel. They're a holy vessel for doing things. But think of him going to that quarry, as he undoubtedly did, yeah. to, to find that huge piece of marble, which was a very unusual thing to have one piece that big. Right, right. So think of that connection with the earth, too. We, we see it in the gallery as a finished piece, but he went he to came the out quarry of a mountain somewhere. And he, yeah. you know, uh, probably had some supervisory, you know, get, get that thing cut out of that mountainside. I mean, it's really, it's very earth-connected. Yeah. Yeah. But he had his image in his head. That's why yeah. he yeah. already knew what he's going to yeah. do. Well, it's like, that's what the, uh, the um, well, Eskimo, what do we call them? Uh, First Peoples, Inuit, thank you. Um, they say that too, that they see the image in the in, in the, the rock or yeah. in the whalebone, and then they just release it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's again how you bring it. Even a rock is a landscape of sort that you bring. You put that image. Pretty, yeah. It sort of uh, also reminds me, looking at this, uh, of the way when uh, we came back to Israel and reclaim the land that had gone to desert, that we uncovered the wells, yep. and all. It, yeah. just, it mm. just strikes me yeah. as a, yeah. Do people know now that Israel, which has very little water, is like a 95% water sufficient now because they figured out reclaiming water, and it's like the, the global expert in water reclamation. So oh, yeah. they, they, they recycle, pardon? Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's a good thing because yeah, that's the irrigation thing. Right. Yeah. They figured out that technology. They figured out the technology. That's going to be that. more scarce more than oil and more right. valuable yeah. as time goes forward. All right. So they brought life. Yeah. They re yeah. rejuvenated yeah. life. Yeah. So, but you see it here. All right. I want to flip ahead. Look at the book of Ruth, 1741, because I want to, we need to have a field, not just a well of water. And then I want to go back and look at a couple of Hasidic texts because they're so great. 1741. There was a famine in the land. A man from Beit Lechem went to live in the stay Moab, in the fields of Moab. He and his wife and his two children, two sons. So we have my most favorite book in the whole Torah, which is the book of Ruth. All right? And it takes the whole setting of this is in fields. Not in a Jerusalem, not in a city, not anywhere, but in a in some yes. fields during the barley harvest. All right. Now you all know the story. This is somebody who's um, in terrible shape. She loses her children. She's a widow, and she has these two daughters-in-law. One she sends home, and the other clings to her. All right. So now look at the second chapter. What page are we on? Uh, now we're on 1743. 1741. Now we're on 1743. Thank you. So you want to hold on to that word chesed again. Which, Ches, which word? Chesed. Chesed. Oh. Yeah, we had before with Eliezer. With Eliezer. Okay, in chapter 2, Naomi had a kinsman whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite says, I'll go glean. Okay. Elchana hasadev alakta bashbalim. Achar asher. Okay, I'm going to go. I'll go out to the fields and I'll start gleaning. Maybe I, someone, I will find favor in someone's eyes. Maybe someone will permit me as a poor person to glean at the back and take what is left behind. That's an essential kind of farming in the Torah. That if you're, you know, if you're mowing the lawn, you, you have to leave the corners for somebody to come by. That's called pe'ah. But also leket, right? And shi'chacha, there's a kind of, if you're gleaning and you leave some stuff behind, you are not allowed to go back and get it. 
you must leave it for somebody to come along with dignity and collect. It's an obligation to do that. So those are Jewish farming laws. So I say, like, you're supposed to mow your lawn and leave a corner open on the side. But. Okay, I'd like to go to the fields and glean. Someone will show me kindness. Will show me vatoma lechi biti go lechi vatelech vatavo vatelakei basada acharei hakotzrim. So she goes, she goes, and she comes, and she gleans in the field after the reapers. Okay, and vayeker mikra and by and as luck would have it, and so it is again. It was the field of Boaz who was from the, the, the family of Elimelech. I mean, think about this. is also about seeking a wife in fields and wells and the role it plays in that continuity and that moving forth, forth of life in that way. <coughs> Boaz comes, and they all <coughs> greet him, and he looks up and he says, Vayana, who's, who's that? Who's that Na'ara? She says, oh, she's just a Moabite girl. Okay, she's an alien. She's a stranger. She's not one of us, and she's from one, from one of the tribes that we're not supposed to commingle with. Okay. She's come back with Naomi, Miste Moab, from the fields of Moab. So there's the fields of Moab, and then there's the fields of Boaz here. And he says, let her, let her just glean and collect what she wants. And she's been on her feet, and she's rested but little. Okay. And then he, Boaz says to her, listen to me, don't go glean in another field, and don't go elsewhere. Stay close to my girl so she won't be bothered. Keep your eyes on the field. Okay. See the word enayich, your eyes? It's the same word as ain, as that well. Keep your eyes on the field, okay? Okay, keep focused on this field where you are reaping, and go after the reapers. And I have told the fellows here not to bother you. And they will, and they will give you some water too, and the water drawers will also drink some of the, that the men have drawn. You see, no Rebecca here, all right? The men will draw some water. And look what she says. She falls on her face, and she, and she, she falls down and puts her on the aretz, on the land. It's not just, I think it's not just a motion that she falls on her face. She, the landscape almost, she, she puts herself physically into this landscape. How have I found favor that you see me, that you acknowledge me, that I that you see me not as alien. But I'm strange, I'm a stranger here. Okay? Now look what he says. It's been told to me everything you've done for your mother in law after the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and came to a land you had not known. Okay? Okay, you 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 chose to come to this Eretz. You've adopted this landscape as your landscape. Everyone should hear the Abraham language here. Ruth is like Abraham, that she's leaving the, her family of origin. She voluntarily chooses to leich, to go to this landscape for a particular purpose, and to a people you hadn't known before. May God, may God recompense you. And what he basically says to her is that you've done chesed for you've done chesed and I think the word appears in a minute too and she says you've done and that that what Boaz does for Ruth is chesed it comes in, in the text and what because what Ruth has done is chesed okay by leaving by choosing this landscape by caring for her mother-in-law who has no one else to take care of her she enables Naomi to be relocated in the landscape to come back to the landscape to have the community take care of them I'm streamlining here because I want to look at the Hasidic text. And then when Boaz marries Ruth, that they become 
be back integrated and come back to life in this landscape once again, whereas before an alien who's not from this landscape and a family who was alienated from the landscape is able to reclaim this landscape as their own through these acts of chesed. So that's why I think that it's, it's the relationship aspect of it is really important here. It's this kindness that's done, just like with Eliezer and Rebecca, and why she's the right one to go back. Um, that Boaz and and I want to know is that Eliezer is not an Israelite and Naomi and Ruth is not an Israelite. It's very interesting the role that that the landscape can absorb even people who are not natively belonging to the land through these acts of Chesed. And the Torah I think is is in some ways is is indicating that openness. Like when you want to say we're tribal, the Torah says we can't be tribal. This is about Chesed. So it's an, it's an interesting message that comes out of a text that you think would say, like, our land, we belong here. And it, and it is, okay, because it is the covenantal land. But this opening up of relationships and seeing an other through the acts of chesed, I think, is really a critical piece that has to be said there. I think it's both. Right. Right. I think that's exactly right. I think that, that, that they're being reclaimed as family members in a land, but the possibility of the, of the landscape and the land providing for and nurturing people who want to become part of the tribe is permissible. <coughs> it can absorb it. This Eretz can absorb that. That's sort of like a beauty and a, the oxymoron, which is we confuse opposites. Yes, yes. I mean, I think that that's the interesting commingling. Yes. Is it, Light and dark, body and soul, you know, understanding the yeah. land is tribal, yeah. but it's also yeah, well, that's why that's what I'm saying. Like, you have two things that come near each other. That the sacred comes in, and the possibility of these two things coming together. So, yeah. Okay, that's what a lot, but we still have a little more. All right, you put your Tanakh aside. And take a look at these Hasidic texts. These are commentaries on the passages that we just read in Genesis. So. Let's see how many we can get through. How many? We have a few more minutes, right? A few more yeah. minutes. Okay. Just go like this with the elbow and no, say. I'm, I'm so this is the Svatamet. This is the Gerer Rebbe, um, who wrote at the beginning of the 20th century. And his usual medium was called the Drasha. On Shabbat afternoon, he would give talks to his Hasidim. I don't know where the women were. The guys were probably sitting. They're all sitting there. It must have been amazing, right? But um, uh, and he speaks. Uh, he's just a very unusual Hasidic how he speaks to, uh, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Um, and he was uh, orphaned at a young age, so he was brought up by his grandfather. So he'll often quote his grandfather and teacher. Um, my grandfather and teacher used to say this about the wells, the air, that the patriarchs dug. Everywhere there is a hidden point of God. We only have to remove the external covering in order to reveal that innermost part which is called a well of living waters. Be'er mayim chayim. So he right? The innermost point. He calls this sometimes chiyut. We only have to, so we talked about Isaac as an uncovering of a well, as an artist, uncovering things, going back to sources, reusing forms. So what is he doing with this? And his writing, by the way, is an art form in and of its own, so. What's the well? Um, that's a that's a good start. Keep going to it. Yeah. What else? Yeah. 
Trudy, was that you who said God? Who said God? Yeah. All right. So, can you ask the question? What's it, what is this well? What's this? What's inside the well? Life, because it's a well of living waters. Therefore, when you uncover God, you uncover life. Okay, but the, but also like, what form is God? It's not like Mayim Chayim. Mayim Chayim, life giving. We've been talking about life giving. Okay, we get that. But it's this point, this nikuda. He calls it a nikuda. This is like this one when you sort of anybody looks at the point when when Sirah does a point. He's focusing color and light in one place, right? 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 And then he creates a large canvas of many of those, and we stand back, we see an image. I think this Van Emmet is saying, inside each person, he says it everywhere, because he mm -hmm. also looks at nature, everywhere that we each have one dot from a plantalist painting, plantalist, right? Yeah, inside of us. Okay, and God, and that's godly. That's God. What's interesting about this, though, um, the well of living waters, in order for waters to be living, they have to be in movement with other waters. There's, because if you just had a, a vessel with still water, it wouldn't be living water. Correct. So it's got to be that giving and receiving that you talked about last week. And so it, it sounds like a point, but it's, it's, it's a point like, like a molecule is a point, you know, and, and the, the electrons and the, I'm not that good at this stuff, but, you know, there's, a, there's constant movement on a molecular right, level, right. and that's what this is like, too. He also will use the language, um, in the Hebrew, he uses the words <coughs> of um, nikuda, a point. He talks about the be'er, but he also will talk about a ma'ayan novea, a flowing well, a flowing stream, that inside the well is, there's water that's collected, and then there's water that flows. Okay. What was I just saw you do that with yeah, your it's hand? Just sort of like subterranean. You know, it's flowing yeah. through as it's yes. filling up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So at the same moment, I want just I want to think about this in perspective of an artist. That's all, because that's our lens. Okay. Is that a well? If it's an artist, if it's artistry, if it's the sacred piece, it has this collection where this hidden point of God is, but there's also a flowing aspect to it, so it doesn't stagnate. So you always have to grow, and you always have life has changed. If you try to stay still, it dies. Yeah. I mean, what you're trying to create just yeah. goes dead. Let's look at another one. These are really... He looked... Okay. Now, we didn't look at this one. Vayetze. This is the one where Jacob meets Ra Ra Rachel. Okay? This is beautiful. J Jacob, who's just left his mother, Rebecca. He's left home. That's when he has the dream with the ladder. And then he comes to the town, and he's, he is lost. His brother wants to kill him. He's lost in life. He's desperate. He looked... And there was a well in the field, and there were three flocks of sheep lying down by it. For from there, it was there that the well that it, the, it was from that well that the flocks were watered. This is what Jacob sees. Okay, it's really important. He's not sees. He looked. He picked up his eyes and looked. Like Phil's talking about, sometimes you look at a lot of pictures, and all of a sudden you see the right one. Mm -hmm. There's an indication here from the Sfat Emet. Jacob, you know, we see, 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 and when you really look. You see something you didn't see before. And this is what he notices, flocks of sheep by the well. But the stone was large on the mouth of the well, and when all the flocks were gathered there, they would roll the stone off the mouth of the well. And the story goes on is that Jacob sees this going and going and going. And when he's, and then the, the girls show up, including Rachel, and they, they, they're waiting for the other shepherds to come along. And J Jacob is so smitten that he picks up the rock by himself and moves the water. And like, oh, that's where he meets Rachel. He kisses her. That's, that's a great, it's a great story, all right? But I want everyone to notice this. He sees it and that the stone was large and heavy, but, he's a, but it can be moved. All right, now look what. The reality, this reality, this is Fatimat. The well in the field 
is found in everything and every one of Israel. He's talking specifically about Jewish people. Each of us has this well that's in a field. Everything contains a life-giving point, chiyut, you hear the word chai? That sustains it. Even that which appears to be as neglected as a field has such a hidden point within it. We look at you know, fields and we think of farms, isn't that beautiful? But sometimes fields are just, okay. The human mind is always able to know this intuitively. This knowledge is the three flocks of sheep, which stand for wisdom, understanding, and awareness. Isn't that great? With wisdom and intellect, a person understands this inwardness. Within all things dwell the power of the maker within the maid. Now, whether you believe in God or this is a metaphor for where you find creativity, it's quite a beautiful image, right, of this. Well, what do you notice here? I, I can hear people going, hmm. And Lois is going, hmm. Hmm. Because hmm. because when you read these dress shows, they read like poetry, how he goes from one sentence to another. When you really unpack them, how he moves one word and how he weaves, it's really quite, it's very queer. So where were the, was there a particular sentence that made you? No, I was thinking all along of St. Teresa of Avila, who talks about the mystic experience. And she says what Philip was saying, that you have to go to the well every day. You have to do the work. But then sometimes the rain of God just comes down upon you with no effort. Right. That's what this, I, I was yeah. thinking of that. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what the Svadamev would, the Svadamev would say, it's not just without effort. It's because you've attuned yourself to seeing it differently. And that's all, you know, that one day, that you're looking, 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 but there are practices that you do so you suddenly are attuned to see what has been there intuitively all the time. So now what does he say? But the stone was large on the mouth of the well. When corporeality spreads forth, there is hiding. Intellect is not always joined to deed. Our physical bodies, the things we do, the and literally the corporeal is like the weightiness of our day-to-day -day lives. I think that's an important distinction. It's not just our bodies are bad and our spirit is good. That isn't the distinction that the Svatimet would make because he believes in the fleshiness and the holiness. And the, but the weightiness of our everyday lives, that we can relate to. The answer to this lies in we were gathered there. Okay? Where's, where's the pasuk where we get, we're gathered there? Okay? The flocks were gathered there. Okay? <clears throat> there was... Um, all one's desires in every part of the body and its limbs have to be gathered together as one places oneself in God's hands before each deed. Then they would roll the stone. What did he say? Can't do it alone. You can't do it alone, okay. And you have to have some faith. All right. But what's the process here? Brenda, you're smiling. Are you, th you thinking about it? Just, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I mean, okay. I just love it. It's just... This one, this one you could read about 50 times, and yeah. so like each time you read it, it's yeah. like, okay. In a way, you let go. You, you do the work, and at the same time, you can't control it. You let go, and you place yourself in God's hands. So you, you, know, you offer this as an yeah. offering, but you don't know what, what you're, what, how it's going to shape up in the end. But look at how he's, but he's using uh, it's like you, you, um, every part of you has to be focused on it. Mm -hmm. you, if you're going to actually place yourself in God's hand, you can't be thinking about something else or touching something else or eating something. <laughs> it all, I mean, it's like every single part of you have to gather together and 
Yeah. When we did the thing last week, the blessing, the blessing, the name of the blessing for washing of hands is all Natilata. Natilata does not mean washing. What does Natila mean? Taking up. What? To? To, to take, to gather together. It's the same. When we gather the four <coughs> branches that create a lulav, if that's, we shake it, but it's the blessing that you're making is for gathering something together. All right. So what he, I think what he's pointing to is when we take <clears throat> our physicality, our daily lives, and all these pieces, and we become aware of, in order to roll the stone off the well and to access the, the, the flowing water and the life, there is a gathering motion that happens some kind of a collection of effort. It can be communal, but individually. <clears throat> a centering, a focus. It could be spreading the same. There's some kind of drawing in of energy that allows this to happen. I think that he's focusing on this gathering piece. So. I think of that metaphor as one I mentioned about the vessel, that we are like, the, is it clay, the clay vessels, clay. that the vessels, clay vessels absorb. Yeah. They pour out as opposed to stone. Oh, yeah, nice. Mm. You're right, you're right, you're right. You absorb it. Mm. It holds and absorbs. Nice. All right, now look what he says. <clears throat> the fact that in Jacob's case, the Torah says, Vayigal, he rolled it off. It looks like the word Vayigal, he revealed. Sharon, this is for you. Is it Sharon or Sharon? You have to tell me. Okay, which would you prefer? Okay, okay, good. He's playing with the Hebrew word. To roll off something, Vayigal, is the same word. As, is, it's really close in Vayigal, and he redeemed or revealed. Okay. It means that he found from within himself, for he was the whole of Israel. What makes Jacob one of the patriarchs is that he's a, a model, a, a template of a particular kind of a personality in relationship with God that is our grandfather that we model after to think about. He's a tzaddik because he, okay, so he could, he could found the world in some way, but therefore he revealed it from within himself. So there's something, again, about this notion of rolling off the top of the well. Svatim is playing with this text to say that when you do... There's a, a seeing. What are the steps in this artistic process? There's a noticing and seeing, like, oh, some animals over there, wisdom, spiritual. I, I kind of see something there that it looks like nothing, but I notice. Then there's this gathering motion of all the corporality and everything else about our lives, everything we are, in order to tap into. And then there's this revealing, the rolling off of the well. It allows that access to come. So, uh, yeah. I'm so struck by... The, the mouth of the well. Mm -hmm. It's this personified Being a poet. Um, and yeah. so revealed, you know, as if somebody has been, as if the well has not been, the gag has been taken off the well, and in that sense, um, so very much like this personified, this relationship between the well and the... Um, Jacob. This is lovely. You and I did not plan this, but in other of his drashot, well, and I never just met today, but we, <laughs> but we didn't play, he, in many other drashot on this same Shabbat, the same parsha, he will talk about the relationship between this gesture and prayer, mm. speaking, interpreting. In other places, he talks about the be air is be air to explain. So he talks a lot about the, the use of the mouth. <laughs> to release these kind of activities all over the place. So, 100%. You've got a Hasidic soul. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of thinking along the same lines, but I was thinking of it um, instead of the mouth, but I was thinking of a blindfold and then the mm. same kind mm. of revelation. And the word you said 
that strikes me that brings it all together is an awareness that all of that is already there. Yeah. Everything yeah. is already mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And then when you connect and get in and the blindfold comes off, it all yeah. comes together. Yeah. You know, it wasn't really spread out yeah. when we have an awareness. I, 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 want, I want everyone to sense that this is a Hasidic repertoire. He's not saying, if you do this, 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 and right. this, then you will be. Right. He's telling all of them, you have this. Mm -hmm. It's inside of you, okay? The spark is there. It's already flowing and holding something, okay? It's only a question of noticing, focusing, paying attention to, gathering your forces together all week long, and then doing the effort to do that. Now he has ways of how you go about doing that, but it, it's there already in you. That's why it's, it's, he's very amazing in that way, yeah. What came to my mind was a stone on the ground, and the stone can be pretty heavy, and you struggle to lift it off, and when you lift it off, what do you see? You see Insects. a world of, ins of yeah. worm serpents. Yeah. So you see life yes. hiding underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like that. All right, let's do one more. This is the last one. And this one extends one step more, this whole notion of fields and presence. My grandfather taught in the name of Rabbi Isaac Luria, who was the founder, who was one of the pretty important um, master. Mm -hmm. The Shabbat is called a field. This appears in the Song of Songs. Come, my beloved, let's go out to the field. The world, this world is a wilderness, one where there is no sign of God's providence. Brenda, you're going to like this. On Shabbat, it's called a field, ready to be seated. Then the power of inwardness, the divine life point within, within it is aroused and it receives its seed. On this basis, we can understand that. Wait, let's hold on for a second. So what does he say? What is Shabbat? Why is Shabbat a field? What? It seems like he's contrasting it to the world that's a wilderness, that there's like a receptivity, you know, and like it's sort of fertile and calm and open. Yeah, so it's fertile, calm, and open, but I also think that he would also say that in some ways that the all week long is the world of corporeality. That it's, there's a lot going on, a lot going on, a lot going on. There's a lot of this, okay, all right, but then there's this focal day in the week when something else can be seen, when all of that other stuff is set aside. So it's in the middle, it's in the middle there in the field that you can see it. So um, also a field within a wilderness, I think of something that's like, maybe this is what you're saying, it's like massive and then a field is cultivated, right? You make something happen there, right? On this basis, we can understand the verse. He looked and saw a well in the field and there were three flocks of sheep. This means that on the Shabbat, a source of living water is opened. This is a well in a field. The three flocks of sheep are Israel, engaging themselves towards God with all their heart, soul, and might. These are the three levels of spirit, self, self, spirit, and soul, all to be engaged to God. Right. So wherever, you, whatever you think about Shabbat, just want as a metaphor here. Yeah. I think that one other element, when the camels were lying down and the three sheep, the flocks are lying down. There's also a humility. Oh, yeah. Because um, from that knee word, by yeah, kneeling down. You, mm. um, mm -hmm. Humble yourself you sort of before that. something bigger. I mean, a camel is a big, tall animal, and when it kind of like brings itself mm -hmm. down. Um, I think Shabbat is like a blank slate where you can start over tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a day of rest, 
things. So, you know, all the rules. Like reset button. Yeah, right. like reset mm -hmm. button. So, and I, think, and I think he's saying that too, is that it's reset because all this stuff comes to an end that you reset. But what he's also saying is because you're resetting, there is the possibility of noticing there's a well there. I can uncover that well. Um, what's inside? It allows the other things in that moment of reset. Because when you're resetting, what you're really saying is, that's, I'm laying that aside for open space. And that's what he's saying is, when this space is open, then you can see that stuff. So, well, that's Wells and Fields. <laughs> Let's take a break. Yeah, take a break and come back and we'll look at some pictures. How was your trip? It was great. 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 It was